continue on our series that we've been on. This is part five in our series, Love Thy Neighbor. And uh, I'm excited about this. I believe it's a great word for all that's going on and everything that's happening um, in our nation and everything that's going to happen in the next few days and the next few months. And so I believe this is a great opportunity. Thank you for your agreement today. So it's nice to see faces, even though I can't see your mouth. I might not be able to hear your amen, but I'm going to believe by faith that you're saying them, right? And you're rooting me on. And uh, so it's just good to be together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Ha! Oh, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for the truth, Father God, that, that, that sets us free, the truth that encourages us, the truth that admonishes and challenges us, the truth, Father God, that enables us to grow and to be better uh, for where we are, Father God. And thank you that as we declare the truth today, I believe it falls on good ground here in the room and all across the world where people are watching us online. We thank you, Father God, that your word will settle in our hearts. It will not return void. It will go forth and accomplish everything that you have assigned it to do in Jesus' name. We're grateful for that. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Good to hear your amens today. Amen. As a nation, You know that we are continually facing a deep division, explosive anger, this ongoing uncertainty. It's just so good to know that we can go to God's Word to get clear answers. Amen. Get clear answers. And I'm so grateful today um, as we continue this series, Love Thy Neighbor. It's been good for us, part one. We've talked about and we've actually answered the question, who is our neighbor? Uh, Part two, we talked about the love command. It's not a suggestion uh, to love others as Christ has loved us. And then the last two weeks, uh, week three and four, Pastor Tom and Pastor Josh, as always, didn't they do a great job? Uh, They did an awesome job ministering God's word to us, challenging us to love others. And so let's start today in one of our key portions of Scripture found in Mark chapter 12. We'll start at verse 28. It says, One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Thank God for God's word today. I want to let you know, and I want to remind you, that God's love is an everyone, everywhere, all the time kind of love. Human love is a some people, some places, some of the time kind of love. Wow. See, we're always striving here at IFC for the God kind of love. Everyone, everywhere, all the time. If you know anything about God, if you know anything about His plan and purpose for our lives, that is God's heart. Anytime we diminish or limit love thy neighbor to a group smaller than everyone, We have missed the heart of God. We have misrepresented and don't understand the words of Jesus 
that, that we are to love our neighbor. So we always must think the big picture. Everyone, everyone is worthy of God's love. No matter how different they are than you, no matter what challenges you might have with them, no matter what ide- ideology, no matter what philosophy, no matter how their view of the world, whether it's a Bible view or a secular worldview, man, we must always make sure that it is an all-encompassing love. Today, I want to talk to you about the root of the problem. Why is it so hard for us to love our neighbors? And so in many areas of our lives, it's hard. This isn't by no means an easy thing to do. That's why Jesus made it a command, because if he made it optional, we wouldn't do it. He knew that if he made it optional, well, love when you can, love when it's easy, uh, love when you're in a good mood, love when you feel like it. No, he never left it that way as an option because he knew because of the challenge that it is, we would choose not to do it. So since it's a command, since there is no choice in the matter to those of us who are followers of Christ, then we need to understand what are some of the roadblocks? What's the problem of why it is so hard? Here's our big takeaway for today. Our big takeaway is found, if you want your love for others to grow and work for you, your number one battle that you must face and win is against selfishness. Would you agree that that's true? Absolutely. I want to say it again. If you want your love for others to grow and work for you, and I'd say we'd all say a big amen to that, right? We all want our love to grow and work for us. Absolutely. But your number one battle that you must face and win is against selfishness. Filters. Filters. We all have them. And for better or for worse, they color our world. And so filters, you need to think about filters for just a few minutes as I introduce this subject today. When we look at life through the wrong filters, we'll never see life as it really is. In fact, if we were honest today, all of us see life as we are, not as it really is. And depending upon our filter will depend upon how we see life. Oftentimes, we will see life, we will see a person, issues, circumstances, and, and let's say um, we see them green, but they're actually red. So we will see those people, those circumstances, those situations, we will see them never accurately. We'll always be a little off. There'll always be these limitations. We'll never quite see it like God sees it. We'll never quite see it like the Word tells us to see it. We'll always see it with a little edge to it, a little limitation. We'll always see it with a roadblock and something that always seems to be in the way. Something will always be be off, and we won't understand why. What if there was a master filter? A filter of all filters a filter that would supersede all other filters, a master filter that would heal and bring in order all the other filters. What if there was a filter like that, a filter? Wouldn't that be helpful? 
we would all agree, man, that would be helpful. I could use a filter like that. Uh, my experience, my background, how I was raised, my hurts, my rejection, my offenses. I'm seeing life, and I'm beginning to realize, you might say, I'm seeing life just a little bit off. I'm seeing life sometimes a lot off. I don't see it the right way. And what happens is it becomes frustrating because everybody's telling us we're off. Or if we take time to read God's Word, we can see that we're off. Or if we take time to pray and we take time to really be honest with a, a wife or a husband or a mentor or someone who is more mature than us, we begin to realize, man, something is off and it's so frustrating. Now, if such a filter existed, let's be honest, it could not be created by man. Because no matter how noble man's intentions would be, it would already be flawed, right? This filter would have to be what? This filter would have to be created, what? And, and, and no, created by an all-powerful, all-knowing source who embodied the very nature of what that filter represented. Amen. How many think such a filter would be helpful? Yes, absolutely. Well, the good news is, you know where I'm heading. The good news is a, a filter like that does exist. Amen. It's the very nature and essence of Almighty God. And here's what the Bible says. 1 John 4, 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Isn't that good news today? Amen. See, this filter of all filter supersedes all other filters. This filter is love. Amen. Which is the very nature of God. God is love. And love is not something that he's growing into or something he's getting better at with time and practice. No, the good news is he is love. It's his very nature. Amen. It's who he is inside and out. Amen. That's good news today. So there is such a filter. And this filter, if we'll accept it, this filter, if we'll allow it to change us, allow it to change our view and change our mind and change our attitude and really allow it to transform us, amen, transform us, we can really begin to see clearly. We can really begin to see healing. We can really begin to see life as it really is. Now question, where does this filter of love fit in to your list of priorities? Let me give you two verses that I believe will help clearly answer this question today. The Apostle Paul makes an important statement uh, in the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here in chapter 12, Paul lays out the many gifts of the Spirit, amen, that's available to the church. He lists the nine gifts of the Spirit, talks about how we are one body that has many parts. He concludes by talking about the ministry gifts God's placed in the church. And in the final chapter, he encourages us to strongly desire these gifts, and he puts it all in perspective for us. 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, But earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts and graces. And yet, I will show you a still more excellent way, one that is better by far and the highest of all love. Isn't that good news? That's the filter of love. That's what's available to us. One, a filter that's better than all the other filters. 
a filter that supersedes every other, a filter that will heal every broken filter, every filter that's off, and every filter that's coloring our world in a way that, that is not a God color, in a way that God is not pleased or God doesn't see it that way. Out of all the gifts that God has given to the church, love by far supersedes them all. Amen. The Apostle Paul stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And what's the last part say? Is what? The greatest of these is love. It's the filter of all filters. It's the filter that supersedes them all. Thank God hope is no joke, right? Thank God faith is no joke. Hope is no joke. We need faith. We need hope. But the greatest of all. So we know that faith is a filter. We know that hope is a filter. But the greatest of all filters is love. Amen. And I'm so grateful for that. So in other words, love should be number one on our spiritual priority list. Absolutely. It should be the main filter that we see people and circumstance through. It should be the main filter that you are looking at the world and you are looking at people that are different than you, that you are looking at the news, or sometimes we shouldn't look so much, um, looking at other things, right? Looking at the chaos and the division and the anger and resentment, right? So it should be that way. Love is the greatest thing in the world. It's the best thing to commit your life to. It's the best thing to excel in. You want to excel in something? Excel in love. And we seek many things in our lifetime, hoping that we will find joy and fulfillment through those things. We really do. And, so, and many people, it's a, it's a lifetime quest to find something that brings them joy, brings them peace of mind, brings them fulfillment in their lives, brings them some stability and brings them some opportunity in their lives. And so we, we, we know that many seek those things, but so much of those always come up empty, don't they? The raise, the promotion, the, all the various things. Um, and we spend so much time and energy on things that want, we want to be fulfilled and we get frustrated when it comes up empty. It took me many years to realize that my priorities were so mixed up and I was not making love the main thing in my life. It really wasn't. I, it was not my first priority. And the commitment to learn how to love, listen very carefully, the commitment to learn how to walk in love and make love my number one priority to view my world through has been the single best decision I have ever made as a Christian. Now, over my many years, I, I've been born again since I was seven years old. Over my many years of being a Christian, being a follower of Christ, the best decision ever. I made a lot of great decisions. Thank God for the Holy Spirit's help and, and of course, receiving Him as my Lord and marrying this awesome uh, woman of mine, thank God, um, having these most amazing children. These great decisions, absolutely. But the, the best decision of all is that when I made love my number one priority, it absolutely changed everything. See, when you make love your number one priority, it predetermines your choices and it predetermines your attitudes. Yes. There are just certain things I can't get away with because love is my number one priority. There are just certain attitudes that I automatically have and now they're my default. 
That doesn't mean I'm perfect at it. Amen. Because I still got flesh I got to deal with, right? I still have emotions I have to deal with. But I have, it predetermines my choices. Amen. It predetermines how I choose to treat people. Attitudes that I choose to have, and, and when they're not there, they, it, it rises up with a deep conviction in my heart to get it right because love is my number one priorities. Remember my opening statement, filters, we all have them. For better or for worse, they color our world. There was one filter that will totally discolor and alter the world we see around us faster than any other. In fact, it's a root of every problem we run into. It's the main problem. We face both horizontally and both vertically. Amen. The root of something is the source. It's the beginning. It's the underlining factor. It's the underlining support. Roots are usually underground, and because they are, we don't see them. We don't give them as much attention uh, until they manifest up on the surface. A person with a toothache might often have to have a root canal. Wow. We wouldn't wish that on anybody, do we? Um, The root of the tooth is decayed, and it needs to be dealt with, or guess what? That pain will already always be there. It will only get worse. The root of the tooth cannot be seen, but man, you feel it through the pain that you're dealing with. The world is hurting, right? And there's so much pain all around us. But unless we get to the root of the problem that plagues individuals and in our society, it will never get better. And you know as well as I do that the root is selfishness. We see the pain of it all around us. Whether we see the roots of it, whether wherever that might be in somebody's life, we see the results of it. We see the manifestation of selfishness. We see it not only in the world. We see it in the church. We see it in our families. We see it through good people. It never fails. Selfishness has a way of rising up. And I try to think of a problem that's not rooted in selfishness, and I can't think of one. I can't think of one. People think nothing of destroying somebody else just to get there to advance in what they want and to, 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 to diminish somebody else and to say words, ugly things about other people and so forth. And selfishness, in a word, is the source of all of our world's troubles. It's really the root. Selfishness has a thousand faces. That's why it's so difficult to locate. It's everywhere in so many faces. There's not one face that when that manifests, oh, selfishness. There's thousands of faces of selfishness. We see it in babies who scream, who don't get their own way, right? We see it in children who refuse to share. Uh, We see it Right, and it's evident in how we treat people that are different than us, and it's seen in how we treat those that are closest to us. But most of the time, we spend so much time thinking about ourselves, don't we? Thinking about ourselves, making plans for ourselves. And I know what it's like. I went through a season early in our marriage where I was always on my mind. Right? Don't look at me so, I'm so holy through that little eyes upon your mask there, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. In every relationship, as you know, there's a giver and a taker, and I definitely wasn't the giver. I was definitely the taker, and I have dedicated my life to outdo the giver, because she's an amazing giver. 
Um, and so we, we understand that. Nothing changed in my life until I got finally upset. Say, enough, it's got to be all about me. Enough of that. Something changed when I realized that my selfishness was not building a marriage. It was tearing it apart. It was, it was diminishing constantly. It was always in the way, right? It was a door. And I'm so glad that Jesus knows how to open prison doors and set the captive free. Amen. Amen. And you know what? It's just so good. It's so good to be free of me. Can anybody else say that today? Not You not be free of me, but you be free. Right? You be free of you. There's something wonderful when you get set free from you. Something wonderful when you finally grow up and realize this isn't working. And we've got to do something about it. And only you can. And thank God the Holy Spirit is there to help you deal with your selfishness. If you're the taker in your marriage or the taker in your, in your friendships, if you're the taker in those relationships, it's time to start becoming the giver, amen, because there's such joy that's found when you get set free from you. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, this pandemic hasn't helped make us any less selfish, has it? Sure hasn't. It's only magnified our selfishness. Fear and anxiety uh, over COVID, physical distancing, isolation of others. It has only contributed to make us more selfish, not less. Right? So we, we don't only have our nature that we're dealing with. We're dealing with a, a pandemic all around us. We're dealing with all this social anxiety and isolation. And let me tell you something. It's a full-time job. Many people that have been set free from this only have it came back on them like much worse than it was before. Why? Because of what we're dealing with. And we got to recognize it. And we got to be aggressive against it. Selfish people are unhappy people. Amen. You need to get over yourself. You need to get yourself off your mind. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, He died for everyone so that those who would see, receive his new life will no longer live for who? Themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. That's good news today. Jesus came so you would be free from you. Amen. Not only free from your sin, because many of us are free from our sin, but yet our nature is still needing to grow up. Our nature is still needing to, to be uh, improved upon. Jesus died so we would no longer be self-centered. Amen. He died so that we could be set free from ourselves and then be available to give ourselves away. That's why we're on this earth is to give ourselves away, to be a blessing to so many others so we could deposit ourselves in Him, trust Him to take care of us, and then freely be able to do what? Bless our neighbor, to really love our neighbor, to be free because we'll have so much more thought time because we're not just thinking about ourselves anymore. Now we have room in here to think about somebody else. Amen. That's God's plan. That's God's purpose, to love thy neighbor. The key to true fulfillment is to get our eyes off ourselves and on to somebody else. Amen. It's time to declare war on selfishness. Amen. 
Amen. I mean, that's just how you have to do it. You got to declare war on selfishness. Sometimes every day, you just have to boldly declare, I declare war on selfishness today. I will not be selfish. I will not just think about my own comfort zone. I will not just think about my own needs and myself. And sometimes we just have to take it up a notch and say, I declare war on selfishness. Imagine if all of us here in this room and watching online, that we all declared war on selfishness. What would change? Oh my goodness. There'd be a radical change in our lives and what God could do in our midst. Amen. A revolution of love, a rebellion against selfishness. Amen. It's time to be relentless against selfishness. Refuse to be a self-centered person because selfish people, again, they're not happy. You can't be selfish and happy. You can't be selfish and happy. If you want happiness, or really the Bible word is joy, if you want real joy and fulfillment, you can't have joy and selfishness at the same time. you got to choose one or the other, but you can't have both. Amen. I choose joy. I choose happy. Amen. Amen. Instead of being selfish. I believe so many people are looking for the answers uh, to their problems in all the wrong places. They're looking to the person they're married to to bring them fulfillment. They're, bringing, they're looking to somebody in their family or a financial situation or looking for the right church to make them happy, the right friends, right? Uh, the right house, have a baby, buy more clothes, whatever the case may be, to make them happy. And honestly, that, that's not the way to go. Amen. It's not, it's not what happens. It doesn't bring joy and happiness for the long term. It's only when we get our minds off ourselves and we stop looking through that filter of selfishness and begin to look at life through the filter of love and aggressively reach out to others makes all the difference in the world. Once love is our filter, then thank God for your spouse. Then, thank God, you have a proper perspective about your spouse, about your family member, about your friend, about your neighbor, right? Once we have that filter of love on the inside, we're not using other people to make us feel better. Amen. Love changes everything, and now we get to enjoy our spouse. We don't put pressure on them that they were never created by God to fulfill. Amen. And we set spouses, friends, neighbors up for failure because we have a demand on them that is totally um, unreasonable and we set them up for failure because they were never meant to fulfill us. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Amen. Amen. How true that is. Look what Jesus said about filters in Mark 8. Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said... If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. Amen. Take up that cross. That cross is the cross of loyalty. It's the cross, whatever it takes. It's the cross that determines, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be loyal to you. I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to make sure that you are top priority in my life. Amen. Now, I fully admit that that's not always easy to do, but I have an advantage because though it's not easy, I've lived long enough to know it works. 
It works. It works when you die to yourself. It works when you pick up your cross every day. It works when you crucify your flesh. Amen. And you understand that, that we, 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 we recognize that. See, Mark um, 8, 34 says this. Um, 8.35, 8.34, we read, 8.35, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. What does that mean? That simply means, and it's so important, it simply means that, that when you give up your lower life, when you give up the selfish life, we can have a higher life, this unselfish life love life, and the fruit that goes along with it. But if we keep the lower life, if we insist on making it about ourselves, amen, we will lose the higher life. Wow. By default, by default, when you choose the lower life, by default, when you choose to be selfish, when you choose to think just about you, when you choose to make it just about us and no more, when you choose to not, not grow and stretch yourself to love your neighbor and to love those and understand those that are different than you, because love wants to understand. Love wants to have empathy. Love wants to be able to build this relationship in the midst of our differences. If, if that's not your choice, then by default, you give up the fruit that belongs to you. When you choose to hold on to the lower life, you lose the higher life. I would encourage you. I want the higher life. With the higher life comes all those rewards, comes the blessing of God, comes the peace of God, comes the joy of the Lord, comes His plan and purpose for your life becoming real. Amen. When you choose the higher life, when you choose the unselfish life, when you choose love as your filter, you man, you, you open the door for the blessings of God like you have never experienced before. Some of us by default didn't realize that why certain things aren't happening in our lives is because we have not let go of the lower life. And so by default, we're not enjoying the higher life that belongs to us. That's a good word right there. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Love is plain and simple how we treat people. It really is. Well, pastor, you know, it's just not my nature. It's not my nature to reach out. It's not my nature to, to love people that are different than me. It's, it's, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. I don't, know, I don't know what to say. It's just not my nature. Amen. And, and you have to understand something. It, it, might, it, it might be your old nature, but it's definitely not your new nature in Christ. Amen. Amen. If you're a child of God, that old nature needs to be in the grave. And the new nature needs to be alive and well. That's what Galatians 2.20 tells us. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Are you hearing this? The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. Paul meant that he no longer was living for himself. Amen. On his own, but for God and his will and his will alone. I, I was greatly encouraged one day while studying Paul's life to realize Paul didn't write Galatians 2.20 until 20 years after his salvation. You know what that tells me? It took a long time to get there. It doesn't happen overnight. 
the great apostle Paul, he didn't write this verse, have revelation of this verse, till 20 years into his walk with God, which shows us how challenging this is, but possible. Shows us that learning to live unselfishly was a journey for him and will be a journey for us as well. Amen. That's why we love each other. You practice on me. I practice on you. We practice on the easy, amen, and then begin to break out and practice on those that are a little bit more difficult and challenging that are around us. Paul also said, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, he also said, I die daily. Oftentimes, it's a daily thing. Daily, we have to make adjustments. Daily, we have to die to ourselves. Daily, sometimes it's every single day throughout the day. Our flesh works up. Our flesh rises up. We have challenges and circumstances that get the best of us. And we have to know it's a daily battle. Required daily choices. Amen. Each of us must decide how we're going to live and what we're going to live for. Amen. And there is no better time than to start right now. Amen. How are you going to live your life? I live my life, amen, free, whole, saved, strong, full of the word, right? I live my life choosing to be a blessing to my world. I choose every day to love my neighbor, every day to love those that are different than me. And how many today are ready? You're ready today as I close, ready to declare war on selfishness and ready to love with this new nature that's on the inside of you like you've never loved before. Let me see your hands today. Amen. You online, come on, raise that hand in that living room, wherever you are today, in that family room. Yes, we say yes and amen. I'm going to live my life for Christ. I'm not going to live it out of my old nature. I'm going to live it out of my new nature. And I'm going to crucify daily that old thing that tries to rise up Right When I see something or hear something that makes me angry or is just so different and crosswise to the way I think, right? I recognize that and I understand it. And, and I'm going to put away selfishness, me being the center of my world. I'm going to love my neighbor and make up my mind that I'm going to be others-minded. Others-minded. Do you understand that if we all did that, I believe there would be a move of God not only in this church, but around the world that would transform our world because love never fails. And I believe that. I believe that's what we're going to experience in days to come because as we lay out this foundation, I believe that we're going to see the results and the fruit of what God wants to do in our lives. Take inventory, especially over these last seven months. How have you been treating people? What have you digressed in? What have you not quite as good at as you once were? Over these last seven months, we've been under attack in so many ways. We really have. All of us have experienced the challenges and the overwhelming despair and frustration and, and sadness and oftentimes just depressing opportunities. I've had it. My wife's had it. We've all been through the ups and downs of it. And every day we have to make up our minds. We're going to do this God's way. We're going to love God's way. And you need to make any adjustments. And there's someone who needs to hear you say, forgive me. I'm sorry for my selfishness. Or something you need to say before God. To say, God, I'm, I'm getting my heart back right with you again. 
Let's take inventory. Let's do it God's way. Remember our, our big takeaway? If you want your love for others to grow and work for you, your number one battle that you must face and win every day is against selfishness. Did you learn something today? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus.